We are uh, continuing uh, this morning in a sermon series out of the book of Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs is a book of wisdom uh, in the Bible. Um, in the middle of the Old Testament, it's a book of a proverbial wisdom, which means teachings on wisdom that are really condensed into pithy little sayings, a sentence or two that have been passed down to us. Uh, what I'm doing in the sermon series on Proverbs is that uh, we're going through it together, and then every week uh, we take a selection of four, five, six chapters. Uh, I choose a few of my favorite Proverbs from uh, the weekly section uh, to share. I share one proverb uh, that provokes me in my current state, one that's speaking to me in particular. But then uh, I choose a handful that, that reflect a theme in the book of Proverbs, and, and that's what the bulk of our sermon uh, will be about. Here are some of my favorites from this week's reading a selection, which runs, you know, mostly from chapter 21 to chapter 26 in the book of Proverbs, give or take. Uh, from uh, chapter 22, uh, verse 6, train a child in the way he should go, and when he was old, when he is old, he will not turn from it. How many of you knew that one already? That's like the favorite parenting proverb of all time. Uh, get the training in early. How many of you can remember stuff that you memorized in elementary school? Yeah, stuff that gets in early never goes away, uh, and I just think that's good practical wisdom. Uh, 23 verse 23 uh, is another favorite one of mine. Where are we? Buy the truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom, discipline, and understanding. Uh, the part that I really like is the first phrase, buy the truth and do not sell it. I remember memorizing that uh, when I was a kid. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Buying the truth, I get. There's a lot in the book of Proverbs about getting wisdom, and we even did a sermon on that. But do not sell it, and what it does, it provokes me to think about ways that I sell out truth. Don't, what, what would cause you to sell out truth in your life, to compromise what you know uh, is true? Um, just a great provocative proverb. 25, 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. Um, I love that. Um, I'm really dedicated to being a lifelong learner, and I think uh, part of the reason is because I read Proverbs when I was young. Um, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. Why? You know, Jesus taught in parables. He very rarely just laid things out in plain essays. He always made his teachings just a wee bit mysterious. Why? So that you would have to really lean into them and think about them and then to pursue him, follow him for more. I think that's why it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. The universe is not plain. We have to investigate it. Life is not plain. We have to apply ourselves to it. Uh, and in doing so, we, we have to lean into God. We, we get you know, we put our heart into it, is a colloquial way uh, of saying it, and uh, get to know God and not just merely get to know facts. And then it's the glory of a king to search out a matter that, you know, it's, it's, it's wisdom. It is glorious, uh, particularly when people in leadership are learners as well, are humble enough to learn things. I uh, think that's true. 25, 28, another one of my favorites. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. I just love that image. Uh, I remember uh, learning that when I was uh, in my late teens. Um, 26.11, finally. Um, As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. 
Isn't that a great one? Everybody's like, ooh, but that's what makes it great, right? Like a dog returns to its vomit. Now we've all kind of seen that and we have all been like, oh, that is gross. Um, and it was gross for uh, the writer of the Proverbs as well. Like a dog returning to his vomit. To eat it up is a fool returning to his, to his folly. That we just repeat mistakes. You know, we got rid of it and then we go back to it. Then we get rid of it, then we go back to it. Foolishness. You have to make progress. You have to be intentional about advance. Um, all right, those are some good ones. Here's one that kind of speaks to me in the state of life that I'm in currently. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 10. If you falter in times of trouble, how small is your strength? Does that make sense to you? If you falter in times of trouble, well, how small is your strength? In other words, you know, strength for us is defined by how we do in times of trouble in life. You know, uh, how much we can overcome. Uh, and I love that proverb because it keeps the focus on my strength instead of tempting me to focus on my trouble, which is what I do naturally. I've gone through a, a very, you might say, troublesome time in life uh, over uh, these past months. And uh, it really has, has provoked me to think a lot about whether I'm strong or not, which causes me to think about things that you do to get stronger, of course, and, and that's the point. Um, some of my favorites from uh, the book of Proverbs. But this week, we're going to take a look at a handful of Proverbs that, that speak to a, a theme. Uh, and it speaks, they speak to a relational theme. Uh, we're going to talk today about troublesome people. Troublesome people and what they're like and, and some things that you can do to manage them in your life. Uh, how many of you have troublesome people in your life? How many of you are troublesome people? How many, of, how many of you, uh, as we've been doing this sermon series on the book of Proverbs, feel that you might be more troublesome than you ever suspected you were previously? Yes, yeah. Um, you know, life, life is relational. And, and one thing that means is that a lot of our trouble comes to us through the relationships that we have in life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, there is great wisdom, therefore, in being able to discern which people are troublesome in your life and why and what to do. Proverbs, the book of Proverbs helps us identify troublesome ways in which troublesome people, um, some of which are not obvious to us, um, influence us and how to avoid uh, the, uh, the negative influence that they uh, bring. In particular, what Proverbs occupies itself with is how, how to spot troublesome people uh, in your life. So right away, uh, when I read the book of Proverbs, I understand that it's really not addressing um, obvious troublemakers. You know, somebody that attacks you physically, uh, you know, ancient enemies that were invading uh, the land of Israel. That, these are not the people uh, that the Proverbs address. The people that the Proverbs uh, address are people who are troublesome, but you might not recognize it immediately, or they cause trouble in ways that you might not recognize immediately. And therefore, it takes a little wisdom to figure it out, and it takes a little wisdom to know what to do. Following me? 
So that's really the theme of today. Let's read some of our Proverbs. They're on the back of your program. Uh, they're going to be on the big screen. Uh, you can follow along in your Bible as well. From Proverbs 21, the proud and arrogant person, mocker is his name, behaves with insolent fury. Uh, the word mocker gets used a ton in the book of Proverbs. Uh, the writers of the Proverbs are trying to identify for us someone who is mocking. Uh, we'll talk a lot about that. Uh, the wicked put up a bold front, but the upright give thought to their ways. So this, here is an implied deception in this one. Uh, someone who is doing something wrong, doing something foolish, but puts up a bold front, acts as if everything's okay, right? So there's a deception there as opposed to a wise person who's always being sort of self-reflective and like, is this smart or is this not smart? Um, the sluggard says, there's a lion outside. I'll be killed in the public square. I love that proverb. Do you like it? You have to think a minute to get it. What's going on? Why is that a proverb? The sluggard says, there's a lion outside. I'll be eaten. Well, there's, there's an implied deception there. You know, it's a sluggard. So, so really, the person is just lazy. But they're not going to say, I don't want to work. What they're going to say is, it's too dangerous to go outside. Right? So you have to discern uh, what's going on. And I love it because it's humorous because it's so over the top. There's a lion outside. Uh, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. So we know that it's bad to be hot-tempered, but the proverb is, the thing to think about is that you can get sucked into it. We'll talk about that uh, a little bit. Uh, do not speak to fools, for they will scorn your prudent words. There's some advice there about how to handle troublesome people. If someone is really dedicated to foolishness, um, you know, don't get into that conversation. Handle it a different way. What way, you may ask? Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. So here we're talking about troublesome people called sinners. Nobody wants to be a sinner, right? How many of you want to be a sinner? Well, a lot of us want to be sinners because some of the stuff they do seems cool. And there are times in life when we envy their quote-unquote freedom or indulgence or something like that. So there's some discernment there. Uh, do not envy the wicked. Do not desire their company. There's a lot along those lines. Do not fret because of evildoers or be envious of the wicked, for the evildoer has no future hope, and the lamp of the wicked will be snuffed out. I love this one from Proverbs 26. Like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives their neighbor and says, I was only joking. That's an awesome proverb. Uh, it's a proverb for a 10-year-old boy, which is probably how old I was when I first read it, which is why I like it. As charcoal to embers and as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome person for kindling strife. So here's another helpful label, if you were. Quarrelsome. A quarrelsome person. You know, the ability to kind of recognize a person as a quarrelsome person. You know, some people want to resolve conflicts. Some people want to quarrel. There's a difference. Uh, enemies uh, disguise themselves with their lips, but in their hearts they harbor deceit. In other words... You know, there are people who are content to destroy you, but don't seem like it at first. 
And we just have to be wise about that. Um, you know, so again, some troublesome people are easy to spot, the obvious abusers, the liars, the thieves, the, the, the brutish bullies, all pretty easy to spot. But the book of Proverbs is more concerned with the class of troublemakers that's a little more subtle, a sort of wickedness that might not necessarily seem like outright wickedness at first, a wicked person who doesn't seem especially wicked and therefore can do a lot more destruction. Um, Proverbs uh, spends a lot of ink um, painting a picture of deceptive wickedness. That's where wisdom adheres. Uh, and so often um, in talking about uh, these deceptive people, it refers to the mocker, the mocker, which is a word we don't use a lot today. How many of you have ever referred to someone as a mocker? One. Good. It's your, it's your classical cam school's education, I think. Use great words like that. Um, what, what, what does it mean to mock something? It's like, it's like, it's like to, to make fun of something. Something like that is usually what the word uh, implies. Um, there are a whole bunch of proverbs on mockery or the sin of mocking or, or what it's like uh, to be a, a mocker. Um, a mocker, it is suggested to us, is someone who doesn't take serious things seriously. Someone who treats precious things poorly or treats sacred things as if they are not sacred. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of inverted. They might treat uh, stupid things as if they're serious and great things as if they're stupid. Right? Evil is fundamentally a disorder and mockery is that sort of, of disorder. Um, I think, uh, these days, I think of professional comedians. Uh, you know, comedians used to tell jokes, uh, but comedians of our generation, they just kind of make fun of things, don't they? Uh, right? You know, they make fun of relationships. They make fun of sex a lot. Uh, they make fun of, of politicians. Um, but they don't, you know, really just tell jokes uh, anymore. Mockery has become very marketable. Not that all comedians are bad, don't get me wrong, but it has a, a mocking spirit to it oftentimes, just to give you a, an idea. Treating precious things poorly. And, and I think the Bible, I think Proverbs in particular, suggests to us that this might in some way uh, be, be the root of, of all wickedness. How's that for a bold statement? It's the mocking spirit. Uh, the guy in the Bible I think of automatically when I think of mockery is, is actually Esau. Do you guys know Esau? Um, he was uh, a brother uh, to Jacob. Uh, they were twins. And Esau came out first, so he was the oldest son. And so he was going to inherit all the, uh, you know, the resources and the blessing and the anointing of the father. Uh, but one day Esau came in from the field hungry. And so his younger brother, Jacob, said, well, I just made some soup. I'll give you a bowl if you sell... Um, if you buy it for your birthright. I'll sell you some soup if you give me your birthright as the firstborn. And so Esau said, sure, uh, go ahead. You can have my birthright. Give me the soup. It must have been really good soup. But um, what that showed was, you know, Esau had a great blessing. He had 
you know, a birthright. He had an anointing coming down to him, a special role given him by his father, but he didn't take it seriously. He just didn't take it seriously. He'd sell it for a bowl of soup if he happened to be hungry. He wasn't holding on uh, to precious things as, as he should. Esau had other problems, but the story suggests to us that that was really the root of Esau's problems. He wouldn't call special special, right? And I think that that's just a human, a human condition. Um, the proud and arrogant person, mocker is his name, behaves with insolent fury, with offended anger, is what that means. Uh, mocking people often go around getting offended uh, by things. One favorite phrase of the mocker is, you know, why should I have to do that? Or don't tell me what to do. Or you know, insists on independence, but really what it is is profanity, is just not really giving his or her heart uh, to something. The wicked put up a bold front, but the upright give thought to their ways. Bold front uh, means that, um, you know, the wicked put passion in all the wrong places. You know, they might be wrong, but you have no right to tell me that I'm wrong. Um, you know, I got to live my own life. It's like, sure, but where's truth uh, in your life? You know, the spirit of mockery doesn't really let you wrestle with honesty and truth, truth in that way. You sort of understand uh, the mocker. Um, you need to be able to recognize that, uh, Proverbs is, is suggesting. It's like, you know, this person is causing me trouble. I haven't really understood why, but now I can kind of see. It's because they mock goodness. It's because they're not taking seriously what is most precious. All right, does that mean that you reject that person and judge them? No, but it suggests ways that you might manage the relationship that can be helpful. We'll talk about those ways uh, in a minute. It's just good to be able to recognize mockery when you see it. There's a ton of it in our culture. I mean a ton of it. Basically, there are folks who you just don't take serious things seriously or who treat stupid things as if they were serious. Speaking of, uh, I think one of the hallmarks of, of uh, troublesome people is their negativity. Negativity. Uh, mockers are always negative, but there's all sorts of negativity. Uh, uh, you can be negative for various reasons uh, in life. Uh, sometimes you can be negative uh, because life has just beaten you down. Right? And so that's sort of a, a depressed sort of negativity. You're just really, really discouraged in life. I used to struggle severely with depression. I know a lot uh, about that sort of, of negativity. Uh, but the negativity that, that appears in the book of Proverbs is a different sort of negativity. It's, it's a little more uh, deceptive. It's not a depressed negativity, which is, man, I am just so discouraged. Um, it's a self-serving sort of negativity, sort of a, a contrariness or a twistedness uh, that is useful to people who just kind of get into it. Some people are just negative because they feels good. They find their way in, in life uh, using it. I think we all encounter this, if not before, in middle school. I think something happens in middle school, junior high, uh, where we all start to explore um, negative humor. Uh, humor me on this. See, see if I'm right. When we all go to sixth, seventh grade, we all just start making fun of things. 
Uh, and there's this type of humor that has no punchline. It's just observational. Oh, you got braces. How nice. What is that? What is that? It's just the power of negativity. It's like, I'm strong because I can, I can be negative about things. You know, oh, so-and-so gave us homework. Um, can you believe that? What is that? It's just a negative comment, you know, on a fact of life that, that you have to work. But, but this, these sort of negative comments just sort of empower you as an individual because it makes you a what? Judge. A critic. And the critic is a powerful person. And what's great about being a critic is that you don't need to produce anything. You just need to comment on what other people do. And so it's a shortcut to feeling powerful and individualized, right? And so everybody gets into it. Uh, when they get to junior high and you start to feel vulnerable for the first time, you know, you're sort of out there in the world in a new way, what do you do? You, you take the shortcut to power, right? You're not able to produce stuff, so rather than being patient and humble about it, you give in to insecurity and you just play the critic. We, we sort of all go through that. Am I right? Has, have I successfully characterized this vulnerable transition in life? Um, a lot of us, most of us are a long way separated from our middle school years, uh, but let's face it, not all of us grow out of our middle school years, uh, and being a critic is still a, a, a temptation. Like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives their neighbor and says, I was only joking. That's junior high school all over the place, is it not? Right? You tease someone, you tease someone, and then you hurt them, and then you say, oh, I was only joking. You know, you mock someone, you criticize someone, you criticize someone, and then it kind of blows up. You're like, what's the big deal? I wasn't serious. I was just joking. That's just wickedness is what that is, you know? Um, and if you find yourself saying that a lot, I was only joking, then eh, you might have an issue. I say I was only joking a lot because nobody gets my humor. <laughs> no, no, I, I, that was a joke. Um, there are twists on negativity, right? And I, and I love the proverb from chapter 22. The sluggard says, there's a lion outside. I'll be killed in the public square. And so this, this is a different use of negativity. I really just don't want to, I don't want to engage in life. I just don't want to work very hard. So what do I do? I just say that life is too negative. You know, I, I make comments that excuse me from trying. I can't go outside. There might be a lion out there, you know. Um, I can't do this because, I don't know, there might be some dangerous people about. I can't do this because it might go badly. Really, you're just, you're just lazy or afraid. But negativity is a fantastic shield for dealing with anything, you know, from dealing uh, with anything. And, and so maybe, maybe that helps you recognize uh, why certain people are troublesome for you. Parenthetically, it might help you recognize why you're troublesome for other people, but we're not talking about that today. Um, you know, it's like this, this person is creating difficult, difficulty for me, or this group is creating difficult, difficulty for me. What's going on? Well, there's just a negativity about the person. Or, you know, there's been a negative culture that has taken root uh, in the group. And it's, it's good to just sort of discern that that's what you're dealing with so that you know uh, what to do about it, right? 
um, so that you're not just like, well, something funny is going on here. Proverbs helps you uh, with that sort of wisdom. We'll talk about what to do in just a second. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the third class we mentioned is quarrelsome people. Quarrelsome people are people that just find tension and quarrels useful, right? So they're not trying to pursue resolution. They're just, they just like to quarrel. And they're probably without much imagination. Uh, you can come up with a lot of reasons that quarrels are useful. Quarrels provide all manner of excuses and negative empowerments. I don't have to do what you say. I just have to start an argument with you. Um, it's really, really easy. Uh, mockers and sluggards and, and negative people and quarrelers can often masquerade as wise naysayers. You know, the critic often masquerades as a wise person. And quarreling people uh, can often masquerade as wise people. You know, they're the voice of reason. They're the voice of caution. All you have to say is, I don't know how I feel about that. And boom, you've become a powerful person in, in any sort of group. Uh, and, you know, really it's just the power of quarrel. It has nothing to do with truth or actual analysis. More on all that in, in a moment. The question is, what do we do when we kind of confront this deceptive sort of wickedness uh, in, in people? Uh, how can you keep from being uh, swept away, from burning valuable energy on people who are more than happy to waste your time and your life? Um, all people in life must get your love. Um, I haven't stressed that very much in the sermon, but I think I stress it a lot. Jesus certainly stresses it a lot. So, you know, we don't not love people, uh, even if they're jerks. Praise God. Uh, we don't reject people because um, they're mockers or um, critics or quarrelers. That's not what we're about. Uh, the, the question is just, well, how do you deal with them? Uh, constructively or, or helpfully then. So here are just a few tips, and we'll just kind of end with these uh, today. Uh, tip number one, uh, and probably the most important one, don't get sucked into it. Do not join in the game. Uh, Proverbs makes clear over and over again uh, that we need to be wary when we encounter these people, which is why they, Proverbs talk about these issues, um, because traps abound uh, misery loves company. You've heard that? Mockery loves company. Quarrelsomeness loves company. The critical spirit loves company. Um, um, because mockery and the critical spirit and the quarrelsome spirit, they're, they're all really just manifestations of insecurity, of a lack of faith and a lack of trust. And insecurity loves company, you know. Um, so, all of these people will try to get you to play by their rules. Uh, a mocker treats precious things poorly, which doesn't sound all that attractive, but somehow mockers try to, they, they succeed at sucking a lot of people into doing the same thing. Why? Because mockery is useful. Um, um, criticism or negativity can be protective. We talked about that a little bit. Because... Uh, it provides you uh, an excuse not to do things that scare you or an excuse to engage in sinful indulgences and stuff like that. Uh, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered. Or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Well, why would you want to be easily angered? 
Well, because the angry person is the most powerful person in the group for a little while, <laughs> right? Because if you blow your cool, everybody has to pay attention to you, right? And so, you know, we fall into the game. We try to out-offend one another. Well, oh yeah, I'm more offended than you. Oh yeah, well, I'm angrier than you. I have more reason to be angry. And, and really, it's just sort of about who has the power instead of what the problem is. Um, so don't play that game. Uh, do not, um, you know, be careful when with hot-tempered purple, uh, purple persons. Um, avoid envy, you know, because envy is a way that you get sucked in uh, to the games. Do not envy the wicked. Do not desire their company. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. Uh, whenever you're talking about the fear of the Lord, that means respect the Lord's ways. Why would you, why would you be tempted not to? Well, because sin looks fun, right? It, and, and it's so much easier just to be a mocker or a quarreler or a negative uh, person. So, uh, so discipline yourself to avoid envy. You know, don't think about, don't compare in life ever. Just think about the Lord's ways. And, and consider, are you adhering to them or not? And then it adds here in verse 23, because there is surely a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. What that applies is when you're discouraged in life and feel like things are going well, that things are hopeless, that's when you're tempted to envy sinners, their indulgences. You know? And, well, things suck. Things aren't going well. It's probably hopeless, so I'm going to go party with, this, with the mockers. Um, don't do that. Uh, consider the future. Um, do not fret because of evildoers or be envious of the wicked, for the evildoer has no future hope. Um, they're living for today, and at the end of it, all they'll have is today. Quarreling can suck us in uh, really well, really well. Because if somebody is mad at you, it's almost impossible not to get sucked into the argument. You have to have a great deal of wisdom and discipline in order to uh, avoid it. You know, quarreling allows you to get offended, to put on a bold front, to manifest alarm, to make excuses for negativity, and to do any number of things that play into the negative, critical, accusatory mindset that excuses wicked behavior. Um, mockers thrive on tension. Usually not, like, they don't want to have direct arguments. Uh, quarrelsome people don't want to, like, argue directly uh, with you. They, they more just want indirect attention. Like, they don't want to deal with the issue, right? They just they often, like, complain to a third party <laughs> uh, because that's empowering. Um, drive out the mocker and out goes strife. Quarrels and insults are ended. Um, that means that it's not the circumstances that are the problem, it's just the quarreler that's the problem. It's just the, the mocker that's the problem. And if you got rid of the troublesome person, the group would be less troublesome. If you got the, the quarreling person out of your life or another, in some other fashion, disempowered the quarreling, then that would solve the problem. Um, as charcoal to embers and as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome person for kindling strife. Like, you know, no matter what you do, a quarrelsome person will quarrel. Right? They like to start fires. They don't like to put them out. They like to kindle, not, not extinguish. So just don't go there. 
Just don't go there. That's what that means. Tip number one, just don't go there. Everybody say that. I'm, and it's a really useful phrase to learn. I use it all the time. I'm just not going to go there. Everybody say that. Just not going to go there. One of the most useful phrases in life. Let's just do it again. I'm just not going to go there. All right, good. Uh, so that leads to big tick number two uh, on dealing with troublesome people and mockers and critics and quarrelers. Um, don't try to correct their behavior, at least not directly. Uh, chapter 23, do not speak to fools, for they will scorn your prudent words, right? So do not engage in correction. Instead, move in the opposite spirit. That's the play to make. Um, I actually find that very few human beings can take direct correction about pretty much anything, you know, unless it's some any area of, of expertise, but like personal correction, almost no one, even, even in churches, even among Christians, almost no one can take direct correction uh, well. Some people can take advice, which is a little bit different, uh, and, but others you can only engage in, in redirection. Um, so, um, so I like to think of moving in the opposite spirit. Here, here, here's how it works. Uh, if if someone is being negative, say something positive. That's really easy. Um, so, somebody make a negative comment to me. Go ahead. This is your chance. Uh, say something about me. That's negative. What's that? This is an ugly shirt. Well, who needs you? No, no, wait, wait, hold on. Hold on. Oh, I... Well, um, I'll take that coming from you because you always look so lovely. Somebody else want to try one? I need a haircut? Dude, stand up. This man is telling me I need a haircut. No further comment is necessary. I'm, I'm just not going to go there. All right, I think we get the point on that one. Uh, but just, you know, if you get negative, just, just be positive. If someone says something that's slandering or critical, immediately say something that's honoring. You know, oh, I, I, don't, I don't like the way uh, that, uh, you know, I don't like the way that Jordan preaches. I know nobody says that, um, but I don't, I don't like the way that Jordan preaches. Oh, well, here's something I learned in a sermon recently from him, right? You just, you know, say something that's honoring. Um, someone who's just sort of eat, drink, for tomorrow we die, has just given themselves a hedonism and partying, um, you know, respond to that with some sort of significant conversation or caring. Here's what I mean. I used to intentionally go to uh, ugly, licentious parties when I was in college. And I, 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 even good parties, I don't do well at. Um, 
when I go to these bad parties, and what I would do is I said, all right, you know, I was invited, I will go for a while, and what I want to do is I'm going to get into one caring conversation while I'm there. Because that sort of caring and depth is the opposite spirit of sort of the, you know, the partying and, and all that stimulation. So uh, I would, you know, find, corner somebody and ask them a provocative question about their life and then bless them in some way and then leave. <laughs> uh, and, and that made me the safe go-to person in my dorm. Everybody would come to me when they had a problem or needed advice. So, yeah, good output. If somebody is angry, what's the opposite of anger? This is, this is a funky one that I think I've learned with experience. Thankfulness. If somebody's angry about something, say something thankful. You know, somebody is, you know, blowing their stack about something. It never happens at our house. Uh, but let's just say that, you know, I'm angry uh, and spouting off about something, losing my temper. Uh, and then, you know, Sonia might come up to me and say, well, I'm thankful that, you know, or I'm at least thankful that redirection. Um, if somebody's being lazy, uh, move in the opposite spirit. Be very productive around them. You know, get to work. Uh, if someone is being uh, distractingly dramatic, come on. You know? Uh, just, just, just get to this. Sorry, you apologizing. <laughs> the spirit of conviction is falling over here in the front row. Um, just, you know, get to the point. Somebody's like oh, this is going wrong, and this is going, and I can't do this, and oh, this is a crisis, this, is, this has eternal consequences, uh, you know, I'd be like, well, what do you think you should do about your flat tire? You know, just like, just get to the point, because the opposite of drama is getting to the point, uh, being succinct. How will, how will you handle that? Um, if somebody's being very provocative, just give simple yes or, or no responses. Um, uh, recently, there, this, too recently, a while, a while back, uh, there was uh, uh, this, uh, this person who had been with, with the church uh, a while and just kind of walked up to me and said, you know, I, I just, something's bothering me, so I want to talk to you about it. Uh, you've been very uh, cold to me and, you know, have mistreated me. It's like, uh, no. Actually, you know. Actually, I really gone out of my way to make you feel welcome. I didn't, I didn't say it that way. This is what I'm, what I'm thinking. Uh, and so I said, oh, well, you know, that's not my heart. And then I just left it there. Because my sense was that I really had not offended this person. It's just that this person liked to get offended. You know what I mean? So I, just simple answers. No. Uh, and then a little while later, the person came back to me and, and said, well, um, you know, I'm just getting the sense in my spirit that, you know, I won't go into the details, but... Uh, you're behaving improperly sexually. No evidence whatsoever, but just, you know, the Lord has shared with me that, you know. So, you know, the, the, the temptation maybe was, was to, like, jump in there and say, no, you know, let, let me in some fashion prove to you that, you know, I'm not doing it. Let me, let me engage in this game, you know, but it, but it was just so clearly a game. Uh, so I just said, no, I never even had a thought about that. And I walked away. <laughs> uh, and then two weeks later, the person left the church uh, after coming up and saying to me, you know, I'm just really not getting fed here. I'm not getting, but there's just something uh, I really need to change. I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, because uh, I won't play the game with you. Uh, now you're going to go get offended at another church uh, because that's the, 
That's the, the, the payoff of provocation. That's an easy example, and I don't mean to be critical of, of anyone, uh, but you can sort of, you know, recognize that. Uh, that happens a lot in churches where, you know, because people come to churches because Christians are legally obligated to pay attention to their pains and complaints. Um, so it's sort of an occupational hazard around here. And, and often if you don't play the game, the person leaves, and very frequently that breaks my heart because they need to be in a church. But we need to get to the real issues, and they need to be willing to let you go there, and that's often uh, difficult. Um, anyway, we go on, but move in the opposite spirit. Everyone get it? And then finally, number three, um, don't be a mocker. Don't be a critic. Don't be a, a quarreler. Be on guard against the troublesome spirit in, in your own life because it can sneak up on you. Uh, it will cause you to see people as fake. You know, a perfectly decent person trying their best for Jesus, and you'll be like, ah, what a fake. You know, you'll feel that. Um, or it will tempt you to see spirituality as somehow fake. It's like, you know, there's just, I don't know. I'm just, they say there's a lot going on around here, uh, that God is very present, but uh, I'm, I'm, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not really seeing it. I know there are a lot of testimonies, but, you know, I want to somehow complain about that. Um, instead of the believing, the believing the best about people, you drift into not believing uh, much at all. You say things like, oh, that's no big deal, a lot. Um, you get the feeling that nothing is a big deal in your life. That's a pretty decent sign that you're drifting into a troublesome spirit. You're starting to get that feeling that nothing is a big deal in your life. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Have you ever felt that? That's a sure sign. Um, this is mostly how spirituality gets destroyed in people. Most of the time, that's where destruction starts. The sense that, well, nothing in my life is, is a big deal, really. Death is what that is. That's the road to death. And if that happens, uh, then you need to get around people who are not troublesome. You need to take initiative. You need to participate. You need to get into an ohana group. Uh, you need to involve yourself in things that are going on. You need to use relationships for good instead of using relationships for trouble. Um, there are a lot of good and decent people around you. Um, you just need to take initiative and make the best of them. Right. Make the best of them. Let's pray. Father, uh, uh, as has become our habit recently, I pray that you would make us a wise people, a wise people, a free and a powerful people, a people that bring solution to trouble rather than a people who bring trouble, a people uh, who have a community of, of health and helpfulness uh, as opposed to a troublesome community. Uh, let your wisdom reign, Lord. Let your wisdom reign. Um, we've talked a lot about uh, negative things today, so I just want to say in the name of Christ, there is no judgment. There is only grace and forgiveness. Uh, we are all free. We are all equal. Um, forgiveness is, is no problem in the kingdom of God. Nobody walks away uh, feeling heavy today. 
we just walk away feeling a little bit smarter. That's all. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would release us from troublesome relationships where that needs to happen. I pray, Lord, that you would empower us to move in the spirit of love and the positive spirit of faith where that needs to happen. In Jesus' name, amen.